Welcome to Younger Older. I'm Dave Wager, your host here in the Silver Birch Ranch Studios on the campus of the Nicolay Bible Institute. And I've been sharing with Mike, a good friend from many years ago. Uh, man, it's got to be 30 years or more, more that we've known each other. Yeah. Yeah, I knew your, your uh, Renee for you know all of her life, just about. Uh, but anyway, it's been great to catch up with you a little bit and do it on air so people have to, to pay attention to two old guys talking about <laughs> life a little bit here. Um, but before, in our last podcast, we were talking a little bit about uh, different things that were struggles down in the jungle, uh, air support or whatever. I mean, really, when you boil it all down to its simplest terms, you just want to let the people of the village know that there is a God, that they are loved, that sin keeps them, just the simple stuff that right. they need to understand. Right. And you use all kinds of tools, and you shared a story with us even about how your dad spoke in English. Yeah. yeah, and it was heard in Yanomamo, and I thought go back to the other podcast if you want to hear that one because that's worth listening to, and um, and so all different ways. One of the ways was a Jesus Project film. What, what is that that you took down to the jungle? And did they ever see movies before that? They had never seen movies, and so when we had the opportunity to translate the Jesus movie into Yanomamo, we jumped at it, and and uh, they sent down a, a a guy with a little portable studio and we set all we had all the different voices of the actors and you know we had the different Yanomama people and we had made a decision early on that the the this project was going to be totally Yanomama only Yanomama voices on it and it we just we really wanted them to have ownership of it sure. but one of the one of the problems with that was that with the Yanomama when somebody dies, they don't want to ever be reminded of that person again. Like if they know that I took a picture of somebody, and even years later that guy dies, they will come back and they'll say, you took a picture of my, and they'll give his kinship, never his name, give his kinship, they'll say, I want that picture. And they'll, they'll destroy it. They, really? don't, they do not want to be reminded of anything. So here we're going to have all these voices on a, on a very, very expensive uh, project you know, for this movie that we're going to use as a tool in who knows how many villages. And we couldn't have, you know, sooner or later, one of these people that is a voice right. of Mary or Jesus or, or, or Peter, you know, sooner, sooner or later, one of those people are going to die. And then we would have their families coming and saying, hey, you know, we don't, you guys can't use that anymore. We want to destroy it. And so we had a big talk with everybody. We said, you know, you cannot destroy, we cannot destroy this, this movie. So if, if you, go, you guys go home now and you talk to your family, explain this to them. And if anybody has a problem, we'll find somebody else. Don't, don't be right. a voice. Don't right. be a voice if you can't. Well, in the, in the Gospels, I believe it's in the Gospel of John, it mentions by name, that it was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, who brought the five loaves and two right. fish to, yeah, uh, to, uh, to yep. Jesus. Well, in the book of Luke, it doesn't say who did right. that. Right. And the Jesus movie is taken strictly and only out of the book of Luke. Okay. And so I had all the guys lined up for the different, and I knew we had to have, we, oh, and, the, and the guy, by the way, he was only up there for a very limited time. So he had to get to, to Every day he had to make his goal in order to be ready to fly out to when the plane flew in to pick him up and to catch his his commercial sure. flight back out to back out to civilization. So he was very emphatic. And if we were, went until twelve o'clock at night, 
he would go until 12 o'clock at night till we finished. Well, the last scene in that to get to where his thing was that night was feeding other 5,000. And, and uh, I knew it was, it was Andrew. So I found, I had a young guy standing there, a young teenager standing there by to do that voice when, when, when it came up. Because I really hadn't paid it. Oh, you know, yeah. And yeah. It didn't come up. And, and, it, but it's a woman. A woman is saying, this is all we have. We have these, these two loaves and these, right. these fish, or these five loaves and these fish. And it's a woman saying it. Yep. And so the guy said, well, well you have to, we have to find a woman. Well, I'm not going to go to some Yana Mama's house at, at, uh, at almost 12 o'clock midnight. I mean, let alone right. if I could get past their dogs. Right. But the, you know, just to wake somebody up and say, hey, I need to borrow some, some girl over here. She has to say this part. Yeah. So I, we talked Renee into doing that part. Oh, my. So she was the only non-Yanomama voice on that, on that movie, on that Jesus Project. And six months later, she was dead. Wow. And, and uh, that hurt. And I, you know, I, I thought, you know, the Yanomama are so crazy. They're so, what, bi- what difference does it make? Well, it yep. makes a big difference. It makes a huge difference. And I, I've, you know, I often thought, well, maybe I, I just was a little too Yanomama myself. Because it really did bother me, and I would, I'd make an excuse whenever we were showing it, and we showed it incessantly in different villages up and down that river, as far as you could go with boats, and and further we, by flying, we showed that movie in these these villages, and every time it was her turn, you know, when when she was going to say her part, I'd just make an excuse, and I'd kind of leave the leave it because mm. I'm just running the projector, and you know I don't have to be there the whole time, so and then I'd walk back in later on, because it did bother me. Wow. And so, uh, so we we were showing it in the village of Maweni, way way up this river, tons of white water to get there, and there was a witch doctor in that village that was the most feared witch doctor in that entire river system. As a as a matter of fact, he was uh, he was in the in the book Spirit of the Rainforest. Mm-hmm. That guy was really really a harsh harsh witch doctor. Uh, when my dad first got to the Yanomama and was first traveling through there because he'd, he, they had decided not to take any trade goods because they didn't want to distract the people with, with trade goods. Mm. That guy saw they didn't have anything. He said, just keep on going. Don't even mm. stop here. So anyway, they did. And, but uh, long story short, this old guy is in the front row sitting on the floor watching that movie when we're showing this movie. Remember, this is a first yeah. this is a first movie these guys have ever seen. So even a witch doctor was was excited to see it. Yeah. And he sat there and he he watched the entire movie and and uh, uh, after the movie was all finished, he stood up and he said uh, you know, when Pepe, that's what they called my dad, when Pepe was telling us about a god that loved him, I never understood it. He said, but after watching this movie, I finally understand what he was trying to tell me. And that old witch doctor got saved that night. Wow. It was unreal. It was, it was just, you know, he, you know, you always, you, the witch Renee's doctor. voice and all. Renee's voice and all. So we, after we were all finished, we went down to the, went down to the river. It's a, almost 12 o'clock at night. And because the movie's long and we stop and we teach and we show and we teach. Anyway, so we, we, uh, we, after everybody had gone to bed, we put our equipment away, and all of my team went down to the river just to rinse off before. And Jaime, uh, he's uh, he's the voice of the narrator because okay. we have a narrator, sure. so he's got the longest part in the in the entire movie. But uh, everybody else was out in the water already. But Jaime drops his voice to the low whisper that they use when they're going to talk about the dead, 
and and he says, uh, Mike, he says, uh, I have to, I want to ask you something. He says, does it bother you to hear Joshua? Joshua is our oldest son. He says, does it bother you to hear Joshua's mother's voice on that on that film? And to be honest, I didn't really know what to say because I didn't want to lie to him. Right. And I'm sure he had noticed because he's one of our most favorite. He goes sure. out, out and I know he noticed that I'd get up and leave and then come back. And I, so I didn't want to lie to him. So I said, you know, Jaime, it does bother me. I have to admit it does bother me. And I kind of laughed and I said, I guess I'm just too Yano Mama. But uh, I said, you know, that little tiny little part in that movie, that old witch doctor that got saved tonight, she still had a part in that. Yeah. And he was real quiet for a little bit. And he said, uh, you know, he said, I'm going to go home now. When we get back home, I'm going to set my entire family down and I'm going to tell them, no, do not touch this movie in case if I die, do not touch it. We want to keep it because I want to keep working for the Lord, even if I'm not here. Yeah. And since that time, we've lost uh, Lucas uh, was the voice of Peter. We've lost Lorenzo. He was one of the other other main voices in the fi film. We lost Minnesota. She had a, a part and we lost Edminia. She had a part. And I'm sure there's others that I'm not thinking of right, right sure. now, but not a single one of those families have come to us and said anything about the destroying the, the 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 video so that's wow. that's quite a quite a testimony you know it's just fascinating to try and get into their heads and figure out what it was like to see a movie for the first time and to yeah. and then what you said culturally where they don't even want the yeah. dead to exist anymore and yeah then they hear voices of those who right are dead right and and very interesting i think and once again one of the wonders when god allows us to get into his family and see the the a bigger perspective for us in what's really going on and what he's doing. Right now, you know, it's interesting. I love going to Hebrews chapter 12. Mm. Hebrews 11 is is really about, you know, all the faithful ones that went before us. And everyone wants to be that group that, you know, gets honored and that kind of thing. But the, there's several that got cut in half and all, yeah. all other yeah. things, too. Yeah. And they were listed as well. Yeah. And then it goes on to talk about the witnesses in chapter 12, uh, right. you know, the faithful witnesses. And uh, really, to, for me to understand that passage, I was once watching an Olympics, and I was watching the skiers in the Olympics, and they were, they were out. It, it, I believe I'm always rooting for the Norwegians or the Swedes, or and, you know, I'm Swedish, so you, okay. you got to root for, <laughs> for them for some reason, no, no real reason. And the Italians were winning this year. And they were winning big, and I'm thinking they shouldn't win. They're Italians, you know. What I mean, <laughs> we need to have the Swedish or the Norwegian or the Danes win. You know, what, what's with the Italians here? And uh, they they won decidedly. But what was interesting to me, there were four people in the relay, and three of them got such a lead that the fourth one was going to ski hard, but they really didn't need to ski that hard. You know, what I mean, they mm -hmm. just didn't need to. And I thought. Oh, look at there's the other three. What are they doing? They're cheering that fourth one on. Right. Because they don't win until he wins. Right. And I thought that's what's going on in heaven. Amen. Amen. You know, right now, Renee, your dad, my dad, mom, mom. Yeah, I mean, yeah. they're cheering us on. Amen. Amen. Uh, Elijah might be cheering us on and, and Moses and, and whoever else might be there. But the bottom line is the whole team doesn't win until we win. Amen. Even though we're far ahead, even though they know the outcome. Yes, yes. We still don't win until we win. 
and that's kind of a, an, an interesting passage. So I encourage you, if you're listening, go back and read Hebrews 11 and 12 and just Amen. put it into context a little bit. So, you know, we, we were also talking about uh, an airplane earlier, and, and airplanes are kind of critical to your work. I mean, how do you get there without an airplane? How do you get up to, like, you fly into where, and then how do you get to your village? Um, I don't. I don't want to go into too many okay. too many details. Never on that mind. One. <laughs> then if, that's fine. That, <laughs> let's let's just say it's harder than it used to it's be. It's much much harder than it used to be. Yes, okay. that's 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 very true. And you know the the thing is with 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 what what we were talking about the airplane and and I mentioned that how disappointed we 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 have an airplane here in the United States, but what we had to come to the to the and we always knew it. You know, in a, in a in a in a way, but now we really know it. That is not our airplane. Right. That belongs to the Lord, and it's His to put where, where uh, where He 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 wants it, and so th- so that the airplane wasn't just sitting idle, which is one of the worst things you can do for an, for a, any piece of equipment, but especially an airplane, yep. you don't want it just just sitting. So we uh, we've. Uh, put it with another mission agency right now, and I was just—I spent uh, a couple of days at at the EAA in Oshkosh. Sure. And I was talking to one of the mission guys from the mission that that has our airplane, and he just—he was beside himself. Mm. What a blessing that airplane is being to them right now, where and how much they they just needed that airplane right now, and they they were they did not know what they were going to do un- until they got a, a, a phone call. From uh, from our president, and and he said that he he was offering them the use of our of our uh, our airplane. Wow! And and I said uh, I said man I said I said Kevin you're you're killing me. Yeah. <laughs> I said you're you're that you know uh, we we need that airplane so much. But I said you know honestly all jokes aside it is so wonderful to hear that that God is using that airplane and is able to be blessing. Uh, with that airplane, and that's 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 ultimately what it what it really comes down to, you know. Uh, we we try to make the work mine, I, I you know, and and uh, and this is our work, and no, this is God's work, yeah. And and it's God who ultimately, and you know, even even in you know, Paul said somebody plants, somebody else waters, but it's God who gives the increase, yeah. and that's what that's what we really have to always be mindful of, and you know. One day, possibly in God's time, or I honestly don't know. Uh, I don't know if we'll ever get air support down in down in Venezuela. Why don't you? What is the problem? I mean, there are there no airplanes in Venezuela anymore. No, there there are airplane. There is no avgas in Venezuela. And really? There don't is, they produce? There is oil? no there is no civil aviation in Venezuela at all right now at all. The country is hurting, desperately hurting, and uh, I always tell people. And I, I kind of, you know, get in trouble on Facebook sometimes because I tell them, wake up, America. Uh, it's, it's, um, it's, you can vote in socialism, but you can't vote it out. Yeah. So wake up. But, yeah. So it's really a gas problem. Along with many other problems. But yeah. that's, that's, that's the one, that's, that's something tangible that you can put your, that you can really, but. It, you, are airplanes safe there or do people try and steal them? Are you, are you in danger if you're, you're flying an airplane? Do you have to live under a certain um, caution flag, you, know, and, you might say? Or is that normal anywhere in, in, a, in a third world? Yeah, where, and you know, it's, it, we need to come to the realization that it's normal anywhere. Okay. 
because people have told me they said you know mike it's getting so dangerous down there you you've got to think about your wife you know you guys oh need, yeah it's telling you that yeah, after you've lived you, among you need to you need to come yeah. back things are things are just falling apart very very much they're falling apart you need to you need to if you're not going to think about your own safety you need to consider and you do think about it but yet you know we're 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 approaching 20 years ago that the twin towers came down right and i would wager that no pun intended but i would wager that that there was prob probably not a safer place in the world to be working more secure place in the world to be working than in those twin towers right and yet they came down in an hour right you know so if if my security if my sense of security if my safety is is based on what i can do what i can provide what i can you know it's false yeah it's 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 false my security and safety have to be on the lord and and uh as long as god keeps that door open we're going to continue working and uh, where we're working and is it is it dangerous yeah but driving on the interstate is dangerous think yeah. bad things happen all the time and so our security and our you know our our whole mentality has to be based on who God is and what he can do and what, you know, what that's where our confidence is. We want to be in the center of God's will and yeah. that's where we're safest. You know, and, and that's so true. I, I know our mutual friend Don Shire travels all over the world and, and I've gone with him at times and, and I don't travel much anymore. In fact, I don't even think my passport's up to date <laughs> anymore. Uh, but uh, that's for some other medical issues. But bottom line really is it's always safer to be right where God wants you. Amen. Amen. You know, like David was not in trouble with Goliath. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, go ahead and burn me if you want, but you don't really have the choice. I mean, either we burn or we don't, but, right. you know, it's almost as if they're looking at him and going, you know, this is a great opportunity. If I could get into Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego's head, it would be, this is a great opportunity to show who God is. Amen. And, and, and to and show the And I love the their king. response. Yeah. Their response was, uh, you can throw us into the fire and our God is able to save us from the fire. Right. But even if he doesn't, we're still not going to bow. Yeah. You know, that's what I love. I, I lo and if, what's really interesting, it's, it's, they were saying that kind of thing, you know, even if he doesn't, you know, we win either way, pal. Yes. You, you know what I mean? Either way, Amen. either Amen. way we win. So you're trying to hurt us. It's kind of like the apostle Paul and, and he's sitting there thinking, can you imagine trying to punish Paul? Yeah. I mean, okay, we'll throw him in jail. He goes, oh, good, new ministry. You know, <laughs> got these guys chained to me. I get to talk to them every so so often. Okay, we'll let you out of prison. Oh, good, I get to talk to the church. Oh, yeah, well, we'll torture you. Oh, I get to show people God's faithfulness through pain. And it's like, so they got back together, I imagine, in their committees and said, how do we bother this guy? Is, <laughs> is there a way to bother him? Because yeah. right now we're not bothering him at all. Yeah. In fact, everything we do to him, he goes, really? What a great opportunity. Yeah. And I think through yeah. life, I mean, Mike, you've had uh, some great opportunities to demonstrate who God is to people if they're paying attention. And mm -hmm. earlier we talked about where they could get your books and that kind of thing, and I encourage them to do that. But really to be able to, to talk to somebody who is not a part right now of the United States of America culture completely, who is a part of another culture who comes in and says, do you know this is what's going on? Do you even see it? Mm. Because sometimes we're so close to the elephant, all we see is gray. Yeah. You know, yeah. And, and it's hard to see what's actually happening. And you get lulled to sleep 
yeah. with with things that you should be bothered by. So uh, I really appreciate uh, you being able to spend some time with us, and I encourage our listeners get the books, read them, try and get out of you know the first world American mind frame for a little bit, hmm. because so many things that bother us are first world problems. Yeah, where yeah. they're meaningless actually. Yeah. But, but we let them bother us. And now we can't even function because we've got this first world issue going on. Um, I can remember um, years ago I uh, suffered. I was out. I was in Arizona speaking, and I didn't know you had to drink more water down there or whatever it might be. So I, I ended up, I was having blood clotting issues anyway, and I came back and I ended up getting a pulmonary embolism, and it was pretty serious for a while. And I'm in the hospital, and I'm, again, I'm struggling with what God's doing because I'm thinking, God, either take me home or let me get back to work. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Hey, hey, Mr. Impatient, let's right. get on with whatever we're doing here because I'm a first world you know, Christian and I have first world things to do. And I'm sitting there in the hospital and just kind of wasting time every day. And, and, and I can remember it like it, it was yesterday and the doctor would come in every day and a doctor I just loved and, and he would come in and talk to me and say, this is serious. We're waiting for your blood numbers to get to a certain level so that we can let you go home. But right now, this is still touch and go and I'm, I'm not feeling it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm just not feeling it. I, so one lung wasn't working right, and I guess some other problems were there, but I wasn't really feeling terrible. I couldn't breathe well if I got up and tried to do anything. <clears throat> so I'm there, and day after day, this doctor would come in, and he would tell me the same thing. He would say, we don't understand it. Your blood isn't, you know, you're not responding like you should. Mm. So we can't figure that one out. I mean, but, you know, I really want you to stay here until we see some response. And, you know, we're drugging you up or whatever they have to do, and they're not seeing it. Modern American medicine, you know, we're trying. Mm. So I'm just getting frustrated. So one night I'm walking around the hospital. I'm going up and down the floor looking in the room saying, God, is there someone I need to talk to so I can go home? So I'm looking at each room. You don't know, this guy's in a coma. He's not listening. So I'm going up and down the aisle trying to figure out, who can I talk to to get out of here, God? What, what is my assignment? <laughs> Uh, I ended up taking funny pictures, sending them to my wife of me in the middle of the night walking the halls in the hospital with different statues they had there, whatever it might be. And and I just remember being so frustrated, but God saying, relax, you know, and relax. Yeah, but I got things to do. You're not that important. Hmm. You know I mean? What if I got something for you to do? Well, the, 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 the so it was, a, I forget what night it was, but it was the last night I, I was in. I'm, again, just kind of frustrated. Doctor gave me the same report that morning, and it was a weekend, so it must have been a Friday or Saturday night. I can't remember, but a different nurse came in. And whenever a new nurse came in, I would look for opportunities to talk to them because I'm, you know, I mean, obviously that's why I'm there somehow. Right, Um, right. I needed to meet somebody, talk to somebody, I thought, you know, not just lay there and do nothing. So a nurse came in, and she asked me what I did for a living, which is normally how they started the conversation, and I usually answered it differently. And that night I said, I teach men and women to have great marriages and love each other. And she said, really? And she shut the door, and we talked for a long time about life and God. And when she was done, one of those thought moments again, Mike, I just thought I heard God in my head say, you can go home tomorrow. Hmm. That's I was keeping you here for her. Amen. And I thought, so doctor comes in the next morning and he looks, he goes, you know, we really haven't seen the progress we want to, but I think we're going to send you home. And I said, I know. He goes, what do you mean? I said, oh, I, I, I just knew I was going home now. I'm done. And I thought, those are the things in life. 
I don't care whether you're in Venezuelan jungle or you're in the United States of America or wherever you are. Medicine doesn't keep you alive, and medicine doesn't, you know, for some reason, and I still may not know all of them, and God may be sitting there saying, boy, you got the tip of the iceberg on yeah, this one day. Yeah, for sure. But it, I'm glad he gave me a glimpse again of I'm doing something, let me do it. And you relax and let me do my thing. You're my instrument, as John the Baptist said, you know, let me increase, you decrease, and maybe down the road, if you decrease enough, I might point to you and say, there's a great man because mm. you were nobody. Right. And I think I can qualify to be nobody. So that, that yeah. might work. Yeah, I, I don't think I could be qualified in any other way. But I think the stories you've shared with us, that those are, that's what, those remind me of, I don't care what country you're in, whether it be Renee dying of malaria and mm. whether it be, you know, the injuries that happen down in the jungle, whether it be COVID that strikes us. You know, we, we can't begin to act like God's not in control. Amen. Amen. He is, and he loves us. And um, the more that I read the scriptures, the more that I enjoy the fact that God is my heavenly father who has a great plan. Um, years ago, um, I challenged my father-in-law, who is older than me, and I just asked him one day, you know, I, well, I didn't ask him. I was telling him, you know, the most important thing I do every year is make sure I just read the Bible through cover to cover. And, and again, reminds me of the story you told a couple of podcasts ago where, uh, you know, R Renee died, you go and read the Bible. And of course, I think that's the answer, yeah. you know, get to know God. And um, so every year I read the Bible through and I told my father and a lot of that. And I just said, so do you read it through every year? No. Well, you're a doctor, you're a smart guy. Maybe you should, you know, kind of thing, wisecrack son-in-law. Mm -hmm. uh, but he started to then, and I don't know, he went on so many medical mission trips and he challenged people along the way to do that after he started. And when he died, there were so many people who basically responded saying, yeah, ever since I saw your dad down in this country, I've been reading the Bible through every year and every, and I wow. thought, you know, it, sometimes God even takes a wisecrack. It mm -hmm. says, I'm gonna do something with that wisecrack, by the way, you, you right, might have thought, right. I'm getting smart with my father-in-law. Um, and you know what I figured out, I was a fifth grade teacher. So if you were read aloud the scriptures in English here, whatever translation you want, and you read it at fifth grade level and you read it aloud every day, and you read it for just 15 minutes a day, you'd read the whole Bible through in a year. So when you 15 look- 15 minutes. 15 minutes. So if you really think this is a massive book, mm -hmm. I'll never get through it. Now, someone might say, well, it didn't work for me. Then you're not reading at the level I'm talking about. There, there's a level, just take right, my word right. for it, whatever. Maybe it's 20 minutes a day for you. Maybe it's a half hour a day for you. I have no idea. Uh, maybe you read really fast. But regardless of whatever it is, I want to encourage you, as, as I've talked with Mike, as, as I'm talking to you about my life experience, we're two guys that have been in ministry for many, many years. And, and we're both saying the same thing. You got to get into the Bible. You got to know what it says. Amen. And if Amen. you don't know what it says, you can't apply it. And uh, before we close off on this section, I want to remind you, if you're disappointed or angry with God tonight or today, you don't know him. Amen. And I want to challenge you to get to know him before you stay angry at somebody you don't even know. Um, I thank you for listening. We're going to have one more uh, session here together where I want to talk a little bit about... Um, uh, abortion and okay. some other things and some things that are very evident to you down in the jungle 
uh, that should be evident to us, but we seem to not know it's there. So uh, I hope they join us again for the next podcast. I'm Dave Wager. I'm here with Mike, my good friend, and we're in the studios of Silver Birch Ranch on the Nicolay Bible Institute campus.